to Totalus Rankium. This week, Lysinius. And welcome to Roman Emperors Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus, and we're on episode 57, Ooh. and it is none other than Licinius. Licinius. He's the least we've heard of, isn't he? Um, since we've covered all the others and we've only got Constantine well, yeah, left. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But no, I know what you mean. You don't you haven't heard much from him. He entered late, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, where did he come from, sort of thing? Yeah, well we'll find out. He swerved in from the side. He did, he did. Or was he there all along? <gasps> in the shadows. So, he was born in approximately 263. 263? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Around then. It's right. around then. Right. We know nothing about his childhood. Oh, uh, okay. No. Uh, but yet again, it was probably of lowly origin in the same Danube area as most of those other emperors have been recently. In Licinius's case, it was Upper Moesia. Mm which is nice. But it's lovely in the spring. <laughs> yes. At some point, he joined the army. And he worked his way up the ladder. Wow, how do you know that? I don't know, just, yeah. just, a, just a feeling. It's, it will actually stop soon. It really will. Okay. Yeah, he joined the army, he worked his way up the ladder, and he became <laughs> friends with another rising star, Galerius. I've heard of him. Yeah. When Diocletian took the throne, he would have been rising through those ranks. Okay. Quick smart. In 293, when his friend became Caesar, Galerius, he would have started to move in powerful circles. There's some indication that he did very well during the war against the Persians with Galerius. Do you remember when Galerius ambushed yes. and managed to, get, managed to get Valerian back? Yeah. Yes. Well, I say that. I remember doing my notes and thinking, oh, this is the one where they found the stuffed. I was like, oh, yeah. that didn't actually happen, did it? <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. Definitely did. Come on. Yeah. They, they carried him, dragged him through the <clears throat> desert. Yeah. Arm fell off halfway through, but that's all right. It's fine. Stitch it back on. Yeah. Yeah. So we think that Licinius was there doing a good job. Mm. He obviously impressed Galerius and Diocletian enough that he was given a military command in the Danube shortly afterwards. Oh, that was pretty good. In 305, another friend of Galerius was made Caesar. <gasps> and that was Mac. No. No, no. Not Macrinus. That was a way, way ago. Um, Severus too. Severus too. there we go. We don't know what Licinius made of this. If we're to believe Lactentius, Galerius didn't promote his friend, as in Licinius, yeah. uh, because he was saving him to make him Augustus when Constantius died. Oh, don't worry about it. It's yeah. fine. In a little bit, but you'll become yeah. blah blah. So I've chosen Severus now, Licinius, but as soon as Constantius dies, I'll just put you in the top spot. Yeah, and Severus won't last long. He's awful. Yeah. <laughs> this seems quite unlikely because uh, yeah. Galerius would have had to have been able to see the future to be able to do this. <laughs> well, you never know. Yeah, there are people that say they can do that. That's true. They're clearly insane. But... Lactentius tells us how Licinius was Galerius's right-hand man, an advisor by this point. And okay. I quote here, Galerius had Licinius ever about his person, his old and intimate acquaintance, and his earliest companion in arms, whose counsels he used in the management of all affairs. Oh, that's nice. That is nice. So he, he just stood there, to the right, slightly behind. <laughs> Carrying yeah. a scroll with a, the quill. Mm. I did think maybe this meant that he was his Praetorian prefect. Ooh. Because usually the Torian prefect was essentially the yeah. the prime minister role, the <laughs> the the right hand man. Um, but as far as I can tell, he wasn't. Yeah, 
Oh, imagine, imagine if Theresa May was a Praetorian guard. <laughs> <laughs> Comes out yeah. to do a speech outside 10 Downing Street wearing full armour and a plumed helmet. That'd be interesting. That'd be weird. I'd like to see that. Yeah. I would. Perhaps Severus, Galerius and Licinius were all good chums together. Yeah. There's nothing I saw to indicate this, but it would make sense, wouldn't it? He's promoted one friend, Severus. Yeah, yeah. And later on, he promotes Licinius. So I can see the three of them quite often having drinks together, discussing how they hate Christians, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But we will never know for sure. Mm. Let's uh, say they are. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say we are. Valerius promoted Dyer and Severus into the rank of Caesar in 305. And Constantius died the next year. Yes, he did. Again. <laughs> Oh, he's not having a good few months, is he? <laughs> he's really not. I think next week might be the last time he dies. <laughs> Possibly. It's a bit like Groundhog Day, isn't it? <laughs> I should just insert whole of the clip from last week and just play it all again. It's a bit like Groundhog Day, isn't it? <laughs> no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. You've ruined a good joke. <laughs> Constantius died the next year. Oh, that's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> yes, it is. And um, Constantine declared himself Augustus. Yes. And Maxentius declared he was the leader of youth. And Severus was promoted to Augustus and Dia sulked in the east. Yes, he did. See how I'm trying to cover all this quickly now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Galerius sent Severus to deal with Maxentius. Yes. Severus died. He did. He did. This opened up a place in the Tetrarchy. Mm. Maximian, despite his retirement, wanted back in. Yes, he did. Yes. Oh, Maxentius, no. thinking it was his right, wanted in. Yeah. Constantine, having announced his position, wanted confirmation. Dyer, sulking in the east, figured it was his turn. So all these men thought that the position in the Tetrarchy that's now opened should rightfully go to them. Yeah. Or six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Four. Or four of them. They're all missing something, though. Certain genesis are. They were all not Galerius's trusted childhood friend. That's true. And that's really, really helpful. Yeah, he gives me a medge, I guess. It does, when the person choosing is Galerius. Mm. Yeah. Galerius, seething after the death of Severus, sent his friend to Rome to negotiate with Maximian and Maxentius. Now, I've not mentioned this before, trying to keep this story simple, but Licinius was actually sent off as an envoy to talk to the two Maxes All when right. they were in Rome. Completely and utterly <clears throat> failed. It just did not work at all. That obviously doesn't bode well for his negotiating skills. <laughs> no, well, either the terms were simply not to Maximian's and Maxentius's liking, or the Maxes were confident they could deal with Galerius after they'd successfully defended Italy from Severus. They were feeling confident, yeah. so they just weren't going to negotiate. So Licinius went back to Galerius empty-handed. This appears not to have soured their friendship too much. Which is nice, because Galerius placed Licinius in charge of his provinces when he headed off to fight in Italy. That's good. So during that fight where he goes in and he invades and it doesn't go very well and he yeah. pillages his own land. Idiot. If you were wondering those previous episodes, but, but Rob, who was in charge back in his own provinces? I remember asking that very question. Yes, I probably cut it, didn't I? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, now you know, it was Licinius. Ah, yes. thank you for clearing that. Keeping his hand on the tiller. The what? Till, uh, Sounds rude. Does. As we know, the invasion did not go to plan, and Galerius was forced to retreat. Yeah, he was. Maxentius then threw his father out, who ended up at the door of Galerius, and the meeting of 308 was set up. 
to sort out the state of the Tetrarchy. Dun, dun, dun. So, as ever, Diocletian rocks up with his wheelbarrow, Maximian <laughs> and Galerius go along, they hash out some ideas. Constantine, Maxentius, and Dyer were all watching the results very closely. All of them figured that they should be promoted now. It was their turn. Yeah. It was not recorded anywhere where Licinius was during this meeting. Right. But it would not surprise me if he was with Galerius. It would kind of make sense. <laughs> just standing behind, then when he hears his name announced, just a little, little smile. Yeah. A little knowing smile. Yeah. A little half nod towards Galerius. Cheers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one pal. Galerius, politically able to outmaneuver Diocletian and Maximian at this point, decided that his good friend would indeed make a better Augustus than anyone else. Yeah. Licinius skipped the role of Caesar and was slotted straight into the Augustus position. Didn't Diocletian have a say in that as well, though? Well, yes, he did, because Diocletian agreed with all of this. Mm. Diocletian actually adopted Licinius to make it more formal. Oh, really? Yes. Mm. So this certainly wasn't Galerius doing this and Diocletian fuming that it was happening. (laughs) We get the impression Diocletian was fully on board with this. He just wanted to then go back to his cabbages. Yeah. Yeah. A competition coming up, so. Mm. So this move of just putting Licinius in that top spot was the undoing of the fragile tetrarchy. This oh. is what rips it apart. Yay! But that's with hindsight, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. If we look at this at Galerius's point of view, it really does make sense. So let's play who to make Augustus. Dun 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 Augustus. That was nice. That's good. Almost as good as, uh, was it Caracalla's animal? Oh, um, Getter. Yay! <laughs> yes, it, get, Getter's animal test, wasn't Yay. it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yay! Augustus. Yay! 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 Pillage my own country. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling Galerius yeah. from you. Right. Option one. Do you want to choose door number one? This is the son of your recently dead rival. He has already has a support of a large army and a hold of a strongly defensible position. He holds political and religious ideas that you oppose and even repulse you. Ooh, I don't know. I'm pretty hardcore racist, so... <laughs> no, you're not feeling that one. Well, that's Constantine, if you mm. want to go for that. Door number two. This is the son of an ex-emperor. Sounds okay, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. But the ex-emperor is a man who beat you in war several months ago. Ooh. And also, this son was involved in that as well. Ooh, no. The son has also, within that time, become estranged from his father and is considered a usurper by pretty much everyone. This is Maxentius. This is Maxentius, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Option three. Your nephew. Ooh, okay. Mm, yeah. Good. Kids in the family. Yeah. But, if you take a little look at him, uh, despite his enthusiasm for ridding the empire of, how shall I say this, undesirables... <laughs> Christians! <laughs> something of which you approve, of course. Yes. He's not shown himself to be an able administrator. Mm. He was your military tribune for a while, so you know his limitations. So he could be a weak... Mm. You like suspect weak the role of Augustus is perhaps beyond him. This is dire, isn't it? This is dire, mm. yes. Option four. Your trusted friend from childhood, 
or at least from your early army days. This is a man you trust with your life, and he has proven himself a capable leader in the Danube region. Hmm. So I have to choose one of them as to be the future yes. Augustus. Oh, gosh. Um, well, um, I'm not going to lie, it's close. Yeah. It's very close. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to go with door number four, please, Bob. Oh, there you go. It's a good oh. job because he's right here, look. Oh, well, well hello there. I didn't see you there, Licinius. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that's probably how it went. Yay! I get the impression Maximian was the person redeeming the doors. <laughs> Diocletian was just watching. Yeah. Munching on the cabbage. Oh, bless him. Yeah, um, you put it that way. It's what I'd do. I mean, before I've wondered, where did Licinius come from? Why did he suddenly get slotted in? Well, mm. actually, it really makes sense from Galerius's point of view. Yeah, he's, he's proven himself. He is successful. He's an able administrator. So yeah. he's the strongest candidate by far. I mean, Constantine's got the army, which might strengthen you up. However, he seems a little bit too ambitious for me. Mm, no, but... Dyer just seems pathetic. Yes. <laughs> Maxentius, you despise, so... Don't trust him, yeah. Yeah, so because of this... Licinius didn't bother watching the results show yeah. that the others were watching. He's already ordered his purple robe. and Yeah, he knew he was going to win. It's just, <laughs> as, there's no way I'm not being chosen here. Shades of 1997, the yes. party landslide win. Yeah, sure enough, in 308, Licinius was declared Augustus of the West, Constantine as his Caesar. And to add legitimacy to this, as I said not long ago, Diocletian adopts him. Aww. But he doesn't have any power now, so how does that have legitimacy? Is it just because of his, he's got the mythical status, I guess? Yeah, it's yeah, so all about the status at that yeah. point. Yeah, definitely. And it ties him in, because remember, Galerius is married to Diocletian's daughter, so that makes mm. Galerius and Licinius brother-in-laws now. True. It just pulls it all into the family. Yeah. Okay, Licinius was given Pannonia. He was also given Italy, Spain and Africa. Ooh, that's not bad. Very much like Constantius was given Britain. <laughs> as soon as you go and get it. Because who's actually got Italy, Spain and Africa? Oh, it's that guy. Maxentius. Maxentius, yes. Mm. Maxentius has Italy, Spain and Africa. So They're quite split apart though, aren't they? That must be hard to defend. Um, like triangulated, separated. Yeah, if you... Factor in using C as a connection, though. They're kind yeah. of together. Yeah, that's true. So due to the fact that he really only actually had Pannonia and <laughs> the other places he didn't actually own, this makes Licinius by far the weakest of the four emperors, oh despite his rank. Now, realising that Dyer now despises him for stealing the top spot, and realising Dyer was potentially very powerful due to his the richness of his territory, Licinius started to look around and figure out how can he secure his position. Take out Dyer. But how? He's far weaker. He's got a tiny province, and that's all he's got. He doesn't have much of an army. Join forces. With? Who are these? Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Severus? Severus is dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe. Don't rule it out. <laughs> use his body somehow. Um, the, the three friends, weren't they? It was... Oh, yeah, Severus is dead. Yeah. Uh, I guess Constantine. I don't, yeah. Yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's literally the only one left, though. Pretty much. You Sorry. can't ally with Dyer because he's the person who wants to protect himself yeah. against. Maxentius is still around. 
Mm, yeah, but he, he, that's where he wants to go, though. Yeah, it's not very likely, is it? So that was a really obvious question. I should have got a lot quicker. <laughs> it's fine. It's, I'll, I'll let it out the it, umming and ahhing. It's, it's like pointing to a blank piece of paper with a blue triangle light and going, Jamie, can you find the triangle? <laughs> Go on, find the triangle. Me spending a good ten minutes looking for it. Doesn't matter, you found the triangle, and that's what counts. I win, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Lysinius sent word to Constantine that he might be open to an alliance. Not that the Tetrarchy was at war or anything. Oh, but, but of course, but, very stable. You know, just just in case. Yeah, I've got to show up here. Your borders. I'm just going to say I'm a friend. I'm a friendly person, Constantine. Yeah. Should you perhaps want to visit one day? Yeah. I will let you. I will let you in to Pannonia. Yes. Make yeah. some soup. Make your visit worthwhile. Nudge, nudge. I love being brackets at the bottom of the thing. Yeah. Or Roger actually acting it out. Going, nudge, <laughs> nudge. Constantine reading it, just going, I think he fancies me. <laughs> Lysinius then set about securing his territory. He's fights Sarmatians, who were starting to race over the Danube again, um, and he seals, seems to deal with this threat of barbarians fairly well. Then in 310, Galerius starts to get ill. Yeah, he would does. not have escaped Licinius that when his good friend died, he would be left in a very weak position. He's on his own. Maxentius still held, held most of his territory. There'd be nothing stopping Dyer from taking his anger out on him. Yeah. Sure enough, in 311, Galerius dies. Oh. Licinius and Dyer do that thing as they did last week, where they stare at each other out the window, across the alley, <laughs> yeah. and realise that it's a case of last one to nick a media is a rotten egg. Yeah. Yes. I like to say, go! <laughs> so they rush and rush. Dyer manages to take Asia Minor. As mentioned last week, Licinius takes up to the Bosporus. Realising that any more would have meant actually starting a civil war, the two settled on a Kind of an agreement. Let's just let's just stop here for now. Yeah. We'll assess things in six months. We're not giving up. No. We're just mutually stopping. Yeah. Licinius realised that he was in a far weaker position and watched wearily. Hmm. But finally, good news. Roger turns up. Constantine has moved against Maxentius Ooh. and defeated him. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Licinius immediately renewed his attempt to ally himself with Constantine. Yeah. Be my friend, be my friend, be yeah, my friend. Please, please, please. Thinking, well, you, Maxentius is gone, so does that mean I get all my Italy, you know, all my land? Spain, Africa? Please. Do I, do I get that, or is that yours now, Constantine? Um, they seem to be your flags over there. <laughs> are, are you holding them for me by any chance, Constantine? <laughs> please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a grey area, that. Who now owns Italy and Spain mm. and Africa? <laughs> I'm sure Constantine is very amenable <laughs> at this point. Yes. Um, Constantine himself, realising that Dai was by far the larger threat here, yeah. Dai's got the bigger army, um, decided to accept, accept the alliance between him and Licinius. And in 313, Licinius gets married. Oh, celebrate. And guess who too? Constantine's... Daughter? Sister. sister. Mm. Yes. Constantine's half-sister, Constantia. Oh, these names are terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Constantine then releases the Edict of Milan. It, Ooh. it gets a name like that because it's a very famous edict, which we'll talk about more in his episode. But roughly, it states that Christianity was now legal and he was now Augustus for realsies this time. And pretty much the only one. 
well, you've still got Licinius and Dyer, who's hmm. just declared himself Augustus, remember? Oh, yeah. It's just no one really paid attention. <laughs> yeah. So, Licinius was happy enough to support the Edict of Milan. Yeah. News then comes through, despite it being winter, Dyer has invaded with a large number of men. A large men or a large group of men? Large group of men, not just okay. large men. Yeah. Maybe they were large men. I'm not sure. The sources didn't say. Yeah. Licinius was experienced, and he was expecting an invasion at some point, but just not in the middle of winter. It's too cold. Yeah, I don't want to do it. Um, but he manages to scrape a, together a defence. If we can believe the sources, it was roughly half the number of Dyer's troops. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is coming to the end of last week's episode now. But despite the numbers, Licinius was able to win the battle decisively, and Dyer ran, disguised as a slave. Licinius was hot on his heels and caught up with him in Tarsus. And there, Licinius lays siege. It was not long after that news comes from the city, Dyer was dead. Bad case of invisible flames from God. Yeah, yes. yes. Melting skulls. Yeah. Licinius... That's his eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, the eyes. Licinius had won, and therefore the entire east fell to him. All of Dyer's land is now his. See, in my head now, Constantine's thinking, rival! Interesting, you should say. <laughs> so after being Augustus for five years by this point, oh, wow, okay. Licinius has finally got a firm footing. He actually has some land and some troops that he can play around with. Which is nice. <laughs> Hopscotch! Hopscotch! <laughs> Make yeah. a pyramid! So, at this point he releases his own edict mirroring Constantine, stating that Christianity was legal and it reaffirmed his position as Augustus. Yeah. And that now, as you've said, there's only two of them left. Mm. We're in the final. <laughs> the empire was divided into two. Licinius gives up his claims to Maxentius's provinces, because let's face it, Constantine has them. Yeah, it does. Um, and instead just took Steyr's old land in the east and keeps his um, Dan Danube area. Licinius has got a good chunk of area now. Oh, yeah. He's got the very wealthy east and the Danube. Constantine has Italy, Africa, Gaul, France, Gaul, France, Gaul, Spain, and all that territory. Britain. Britain. Yeah. Did I say Britain? No. No. Well, he's got that as well. No. Yeah. Licinius then spent a while dealing with the Persians. Yeah. Their Persians are back, but not really much. They just started up again. Nibbling on the sides under Dyer because Dyer wasn't paying too much attention. Like ants on a fruitcake. Yes, just like that. Um, so he manages to put down a few skirmishes with the Persians, and the Empire was at last at peace. Oh. For a while. <laughs> For at least a week. Yes. Dot, dot, dot. Oh, put the dots. Ellipsis. Yes, despite the marriage link and the words of allegiance. The two men did not like or indeed trust each other. Ooh. It was very clear that they were both using each other for political and military strength, but now there were only two of them and they did not need each other anymore. Oh dear. It's showdown time. <laughs> Is that the showdown music? Yeah. Would it not be more like. It just seemed very jaunty, your, your music. That's true, yeah. yeah. So that's in game show mode. Oh. How about a kind of a dun 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 Yeah, that would work. Yeah, that'd be, yeah. That works. The problems start when Constantine, in a political attack, 
appointed his brother-in-law, Bassianus, yeah. as Caesar, in control of Italy and the Danube region. Oh dear. Italy belongs to Constantine. Yeah. The Danube provinces belong to Licinius. Oh dear. Constantine points out, that's perfectly fair. We both give up some of our area to a new Caesar. There's only two of us, we yeah. need some Caesars. To my brother-in-law, who answers directly to me. Licinius, remember, is also his brother-in-law. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's your brother-in-law-in-law. No, it doesn't well, work like that, does it? Either in-law-in-law-in-law. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Twice removed. Yeah. So I, I can see Constantine's argument here. The Caesars mm. need some land somewhere, so he takes some of mine, some of yours. Yeah. However, Licinius saw Bassianus clearly as a puppet of Constantine. Yeah. This was essentially him giving up the Danube region to Constantine, because Bassianus would yeah. just do Constantine's bidding. Yes. Yeah. Licinius was not happy. Now, this is where the sources get a little bit murky. According to the sources, Licinius then attempts to get Bassianus to revolt against Constantine. Really? Yeah. Constantine gets word of it. And was not happy, and turns on Bassianus. Oh, so the Bassianus? Yeah, it's a little bit weird. What some historians think is what's happening here is that Constantine is using Bassianus to try and get some more land. Yeah. Fairly obviously. Yes. But then Constantine's wife gets pregnant, Ooh. and he realises, actually, I don't really need the support of Bassianus so much anymore. No. But if I say Bassianus is now in league with Licinius... I can then accuse Licinius of plotting against me mm. as a pretext to war. Yes. So Bassianus is essentially caught up in political intrigue and is the victim of this. Oh dear. Poor Bassianus. He won't be the first. Does no, he, get, he... he won't be the last. Oh. <laughs> Will he even get an episode? Bassianus? Oh no. No, oh, he gets yeah. no episode. <laughs> no, okay. he is in fact dead. Ah. Yeah. Whatever happens, the fact remains that both sides are itching for war at this point. Hmm. Both sides are looking for a pretext, so civil war does eventually erupt. Yay! The two sides meet in Pannonia. Licinius has the numerical advantage, if we can believe the sources, as they use this to highlight that Constantine was unprepared and not wanting war, whereas Licinius had been preparing troops for ages, he was a warmonger. Yeah. Yeah. However, despite the lack of numbers, Constantine had positioned himself well between a steep hill and a deep morass. A what? A deep morass. Yeah, I looked it up. Boggy land. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is a word we should know, but I didn't know it. No, no. Uh, no. So, I'll let Gibbon describe the battle. The missile weapons on both sides were soon exhausted. The two armies, with equal valour, rushed to a closer engagement of swords and spears, and a doubtful contest had already lasted from dawn of the day to the late hour of the evening, when the right wing, which Constantine led in person, made a vigorous and decisive charge. The judicious retreat of Licinius saved the remainder of his troops from total defeat, but when he computed his loss, which amounted to more than 20,000 men, he thought it unsafe to pass the night in the pre presence of an active and victorious enemy. Abandoning his camp and magazines, he marched away with secrecy and diligence at the head of the greatest part of his cavalry, and was soon removed beyond danger and pursuit. So, battle happened, yeah. got a bit trashed. <laughs> As in not drunk, but sort of like yeah. beaten. Twenty thousand of his troops killed. Yeah. So now they're trying to like it's night time. Run! Run away! Yeah, pretty much. 
battled all day. Constantine looked like he was about to win, but night yeah. falls, Ooh. which stops the battle because they didn't have floodlights back then. <laughs> and Licinius realised he's he's in trouble yeah. here, so he is, and I quote again, abandoned his camp and magazines, mm. which I like to think were <laughs> the like, Beano, the Beano shoot. Yes. 90s football magazine. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. They had to be quiet there as well, so it's like, Sir, should we take the horses? Yes, attach the horse muffler. <laughs> yes. What about the blacksmith? Ching, ching, ching. Shh. Leave them behind. All of them just tiptoeing away. Tiptoeing. Take the sandals off. Go on, go, go, go. Just stuffing fabric between all their bits of armour. <laughs> Yeah. More big, look a bit like the marshmallow man. Mm. But it's, yeah. it's it's comedically quiet, so it's like they're they're being really quiet, but actually making more noise. Okay, yeah. snap, crackle, <laughs> stepping on all the branches and stuff. Splash, splash. <laughs> Someone falls into a nearby bog. Yeah. Ah! Shut up! I'm drowning. Shut up! Constantine sent five thousand men after them. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so gotta be quicker now. Gotta be what, quicker. What is? <laughs> Probably being quiet. Doesn't matter. Run. <laughs> Constantine gets a report. Sir, there's lots of people shouting at each other to be quiet just over there. (laughs) (laughs) I think it might be the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) However, Licinius does somehow manage to get a safe distance away from Constantine. So the next day, Licinius was nice and far away, feeling a little bit safe, but a little bit annoyed. He'd lost the battle. At least he hadn't won. That was for sure. He'd had to run away. So he decides... To call his good friend Aurelius Valerius Valens into his tent and said to his friend, Well done, you're now Augustus. Valens? Valens. I recognise that name. Yeah, different one. I'm just going to oh. tell you that now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, but you're right, we will have a Valens at some point. He doesn't do very well. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let's just say <laughs> no, shall we? Right, this has very little actual effect on things because okay. very shortly afterwards Constantine's caught up and the two sides meet in battle again. This time, again very undecisive. Even less decisive than the last time. Night falls. The two sides have not figured out who's won yet. Licinius <laughs> retreats again. However, this is where Constantine makes a little bit of a blunder. Oh. Because Constantine the next day rushes after Licinius. Assuming by this point Licinius would have fallen back to Byzantium. Yeah. Licinius hasn't. Ooh. Licinius went toward Byzantium and then got his whole army to just hide behind a bush or something. <laughs> they basically hit. Constantine went past them. Licinius came out of hiding, cut off Constantine's supply lines. Probably really funny. Really, really, really small bush. Yeah. With a massive army standing behind that really obvious. <laughs> yeah. Really, really even like standing out the side, just spilling out everywhere. <laughs> and Constantine's walking by going, Hello, good morning, sirs. <laughs> And then put it on the fake whistle. Hello! Yeah, just just There's all, an army over there! All dressed as peasant women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Constantine just misses them, basically. This is a bit of a blunder. Because of this, all of a sudden, Licinius, after pretty much losing two battles, has a slight upper hand. Not a huge one, because Constantine still has the better army here. Yeah. But what this does mean is that a truce can now be reached. Constantine decides it's no longer sensible to try and destroy Licinius, so agrees to meet with his co-emperor. That's a nice idea. Yes. So, they meet. They discuss. It's decided that Licinius would give up the Danube region to Constantine. Constantine's pretty much won it by now. Yeah. 
But apart from that, everything else would stay the same. Constantine would accept the fact that Licinius is the Augustus in the East, and vice versa. Very well, sounds all good. Pretty good. They all stood up. Licinius stands up. Valen stands up, who's there as well. They turn around, walk towards the door of the tent. Constantine just a little... <clears throat> just, just one more thing. Both turn around. I can't help but... Well, I've heard this crazy story. I heard you, you promoted Valens to uh, Augustus. Yeah, it does not go down very well at all. Oh, this. Yeah. Valens is asked to step outside the tent. So let the adults talk. So the grown-ups can have a discussion. <laughs> now, obviously, we don't know the details here, but I'd no. like to think Constantine essentially said, give him to me or I will destroy you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And they just see Lysine's face drop in a <laughs> bit of blind panic. At, at <laughs> yes. Lysinius gives up his friend in a heartbeat. That'd be great. Oh, Valens, you can come in now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've decided. Constantine is uh, your new master. Yeah. <laughs> Bow down. Don't bother getting up. <laughs> You're never getting up again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Valens is executed the very day. Oh, yeah. Yes, because, and I quote, he was said to be the author of all the mischief which has happened. <laughs> he is used as a massive, massive scapegoat. Oh dear. The two emperors are able to go their separate ways. They weren't fighting each other. It was that pesky Valence. Now he's gone, it'll all be fine, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Of course. Poor Valence. So, a couple of other small details that were in the small print of this piece of negotiation <laughs> soon yeah. came out, which I'd like to think that Lysinius only realised when he got home. Oh, we actually... signed it, damn it! <laughs> I should really read these things! Terms and conditions. Even initialed every page. I can't even claim I missed that bit. <laughs> yeah. In 317, three new Caesars were announced. Oh. Yeah, three. That's interesting. Tracky. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Constantine had sons by this point. <laughs> he had a son in his late teens called Crispus. Crispus. Remember Crispus? He becomes important for okay. this episode, and especially in the next one. And another son who obviously is called Constantine. Of course. We call him Little Constantine. Constantine the Younger. Yes. Licinius also has a son. Guess what he's called? Licinius. Yes. Little Licinius. We Licinius, we call him. <laughs> so, these three are made Caesar, so it's clear to all that Constantine's definitely the more powerful. After all, he's got two Caesars. Yeah. Whereas Licinius only has one. And there was peace forevermore. I'm still around now. But tensions remained between them, particularly over the situation with the Christians. Oh, yes. Yes. Licinius was happened to abandon his dead friend's policy of persecution yeah. when it suited him, when he needed Constantine's help. Yeah, fine. Come on, Christians. Love <laughs> the Christians. Love a bit of Christianity, me. Yeah. But he saw Constantine's attitude towards this religion as going a little bit too far. So I, I won't kill them, but you you're, you are actually liking them. You're encouraging it. Yeah. Ooh, this weird cult. It's going nowhere, Constantine. You just give up on it. Constantine was clearly favouring Christianity. Slowly but surely, Licinius started to see the Christians in his half of the empire as spies for his rival. So Licinius Ooh. starts up the persecutions. Oh dear. But not 
to be fair to him, in the killy-killy kind of torture way. No, more more of the not letting Christians have jobs, monitoring okay. churches. Still not pleasant, but certainly nowhere near as bad as it was under Dyer and Clarius. Yeah. If you were Christian in the area, after going through years of hell and finally subsiding, all of a sudden it starts to be creeping back again. Yeah. Damn it. Licinius was also not happy that Constantine was favouring his sons over Licinius when it came to handing out the consulships. Of course he would. Of course he would. (laughs) But Licinius is not happy about that. So in an act of defiance, Licinius declares that his two sons, he had another son as well, were consuls of the East. A new position without consulting Constantine about this. And this again raises some tensions. That's what everyone did. Yeah. (laughs) And then in 322, barbarians invaded. Yeah. Very inconsiderately of them. They did not attack in a neat way into one of the territories. They just kind of invaded. Spread out like a virus. Constantine, who was very close to the region. He was right slap next to Licinius' territory, in fact. Right right near the Bosphorus. Odd that, that he happened to be there. (laughs) Yeah, he was able to fight back these barbarians that were pouring over the Danube. But then some barbarians ran away. And oh no, thought Constantine, they've they've ran over into Licinius's half of the empire. I can't just let them attack Roman land. I best follow them. Hmm. Come on, lads. (laughs) Grab all your sieging, I mean, weaponry. (laughs) Yeah. We've got to go and fight the barbarians. There's only three of them left, sir. Doesn't matter. We need 50,000 men. <laughs> they can be slippery, those barbarians. <laughs> Licinius, not too happy, saw through it straight away. It was obviously a pretext to invade. Yeah. So Licinius sets about his preparations for war. Didn't take him too long, bizarrely. Turned out he was quite close to the, uh, mm. the border as well and yeah. just happened to have quite a lot of his army with him. Bit of an arm ro- arms race here, wasn't there? Yeah, odd that, that he yeah. happened to be really close with all his eyes. Almost as if they both were expecting civil war. <laughs> yeah. So, news does come through, however, that Constantine's got something that most Romans had not had for a very long time. Syphilis. No, not syphilis. A navy. Ooh. Yeah. Boats. Boats. Licinius thought, I want me one of them. <laughs> I want an extra long bit of wood and an extra pointy bit at the end. Yes, we need some pointy bits to (laughs) smash their boats. So he sent word out, build me a fleet. Now the East is rich, and he was very easily able to get together a fleet of around 350 ships. Wow. We'll come back to the ships in a bit. On the 3rd of July, 234, the two sides meet yet again. Licinius, again with numbers in his favour, suffered a major defeat. We'll talk about this battle more in Phytius Maximus. But they met roughly in the same areas before, and Licinius is yet again retreating after the battle. <laughs> this time he did fall back to Byzantium. He didn't hide behind the bush on the way this time. Figures Constantine probably would figure it out. Not going to fall flat twice. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, he has to pin his hopes on the fleet. The aforementioned fleet. Yeah. Details on this naval battle battle are sketchy. This is the first time we've had a naval battle since episode 2 yeah. Augustus. Yeah. Yeah. The Romans didn't really go into naval battles. Um, sources, of course, claim that Licinius has superior numbers. Some modern historians think that Constantine actually would have been in the stronger position in the water because Constantine has at his disposal people who navigated the seas around Britain 
plus the mm. ships that Maxentius had used to take back Africa from Alexander, yeah. if you remember from his episode. Yeah, yeah. So there is actually some experience in Constantine's side. Okay. The East, however, is rich and would have had lots and lots and lots of trading ships, which we assume must have been protected by war galleys. Mm. So probably also had a fair number of ships themselves. Yeah. Either way, whoever had the advantage, news soon comes through that, and I quote, the ships of Abantus, this is the person in charge of the fleet okay. on Licinius' side, yeah. sailing against the enemy without any order and being confined by the narrows of the place, became exposed to the enemy, who sunk and otherwise destroyed them. Many were thrown overboard, till at length night put an end to the engagement. Oh dear. So yet again, tough battle between both sides until mm. night falls. Yet again, they have to call it off. <laughs> okay, guys, half time. Come on, stop again. It's night again. It's, this is now the fourth battle. It had <laughs> been called off due to weather. Well, not really weather, is it? But, but night time. Yeah. Poor lighting. Yeah. Yeah. The next day, Abantus sets off again. We've got to win today, boys, he said. He was determined to carry on. However, it soon became apparent he'd suffered greater loss than he thought the previous day. His navy was not looking ship-shape, as they say. He hesitated for a while, um, until midday, in fact. And then suddenly the wind changed, and changed violently. Ooh, not sure what into. Corduroy, perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Nice jumper. Yeah. (laughs) There was sudden high winds, and his remaining ships were caught off guard. Many were driven into the nearby shore. Ooh completely destroying his fleet. Apparently only four of his ships survived. Oh, wow. Hearing this, and I'll quote again, Licinius, being terrified and not knowing how to act, resolved to leave Byzantium, and the weaker part of his army therein, and to take with him only such men as were fit for active service, and had given proofs of their attachment to himself, and hasten without delay to Chalcedon in Bithynia. Yeah. Ooh. So Licinius yet again... Exit. <laughs> Run away! Yes. Constantine, by this point, is at Byzantium. Probably stopped, took a look at the city, and went, Ooh. you know what? Quite defensible, this. Probably sort of not on a few of the walls. Went, yeah, good good quality stone, this. Rubbed his finger along the door frames. Yeah, no dust. No, like it here. Not bad. Not bad. Everyone stopped, looked at each other, and went, ooh, what a poignant moment. And then they carried on. <laughs> yes. So... In a last-ditch, desperate attempt to undermine Constantine, Licinius falls back on declaring his chief minister Caesar. He didn't go as far as declaring him Augustus this time. <laughs> I'd like yeah. to think that he called his chief minister into his tent and went, I'm, I'm saying you're Augustus. And his chief minister just goes, no, please, no. Please, I'll do anything. I, I know what you what happened last time. <laughs> you, you gave him up in a heartbeat, Licinius. Seriously. I'm no fool. So... He's declared Caesar. Mm. Soon after, Constantine's crossed the Bosphorus and has caught Licinius up. Oh dear. They battle yet again. Night time. Night time arrives. <laughs> We're not really sure who's the winner. So Licinius <laughs> runs away. <laughs> Run away. Yet again. This time with even fewer men. He is just slowly being chipped away at and chipped oh. away at. He's down to 30,000 men at this point. <laughs> I was going to say 30 men. <laughs> yeah, down to the last desperate 30. <laughs> All of them with dishevelled beards. Their ties not done up properly. Just oh, yeah, down. yeah. Yeah. Bit of five o'clock shadow. Yeah. So they flee to Nicomelia. However, this small force was outmatched. Licinius knows it. 
And another quote here. Going therefore out of the city, he submitted himself to Constantine. Ooh. And brought him the purple robe, proclaiming him his emperor and lord, and entreating pardon for what had passed. So he's given up and saying, please forgive me. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> but, but this is where marrying Constantine's sister really pays off. Really? Because Constantine's sister, Constantia, is there as well. And she pleads with her brother, don't murder my husband. So what yeah. do you think happens? I think it'll kill him in a nice way. Like the nice killing was a quick beheading rather than a... No, Constantine relented and imprisoned the emperor house arrest. What? Yeah, house arrest. Nice little nice little villa somewhere. Off you go, Lysanias. Go and relax. For how long? About three months. <laughs> <laughs> because then, oh no, what's this, said Constantine, probably walking past the table. What, what's this on the table? Picking up a scroll, opens it up. <gasps> it's a plot! Uh. It looks like... Oh, it's, what's this? Ly- Licinius is planning a coup against me with the aid of the Goths. Oh my goodness. Someone puts their hands up. The, the Goths, really? Who are they? Well, <laughs> we killed them years ago. He's in house arrest. How has he talked? Shut up. Oh dear, we're going to have to execute sir, sir, him that's then. In your, it's in your handwriting, sir. Shut up! In early 325, Licinius was hanged for treason. That's interesting he was hanged. We don't hear much of that, do we? No, it doesn't happen very often. Yes. So, a little bit of hanging there. And there Sounds you like go. a prisonary way to go rather than a... Yes. Yeah. There you go, that's Licinius. Oh, he lasted longer than I expected. Yeah, did a lot of running away, didn't he? Yeah, very fit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of, lot of miles on his pedometer. Yeah. Okay, let's rate him. Mm. Fightius Maximus. Okay, those battles are all the same. May have merged into one slightly. Yeah. They pretty much all go. The two line up. They attack each other. Constantine's about to win. Night falls. Licinius runs. Pretty much. Yeah. One of the battles, the one I really skipped over, has a little bit more detail in it. So I've saved it for this moment. This is the the most decisive battle, I'd say. This is the second civil war between them. Yeah. This is after they've been prodding each other into <laughs> actually fighting for quite some time. <laughs> Do that across the houses. Yeah. Because <laughs> imagine like they're the two towns are bordering each other. <laughs> Their palaces next to each other as well. It's like see that windows. <clears throat> yeah, just like yeah. that. Just walking past the window, loudly talking about the other person's mother. Oh yeah. yeah. You hear about Conti's mom? <laughs> She's so fat that when she fell over there was an earthquake. Just hear a shatter from the next door. Next door, I see it's like eating a chicken leg. Mm, this tastes delicious. Constantly, so's your mom. The <laughs> shouts just wafting through the window. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't matter what he's doing. There's just always yeah. a shout over the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Pegging up the washing on the washing yeah. line. Oh, this fabric feels a bit rough. Your face is rough. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, we need to get rid of these these moles that are digging through our garden. Bit of a pause. I think. What can we say? What can <laughs> we say? Your face is digging through the garden. That doesn't Your work. face has moles. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. It was a tense few weeks. I can imagine. Yeah. That went on for a while, and eventually war starts. <laughs> yeah. So, my serious way to Adrianople in a heavily defended position. Constantine rocks up and sets his own camp up. There is a river between them. You know how well 
wars go with rivers, don't we? There were skirmishes for a few days, but neither side really wants to attack. <laughs> because to attack means crossing the river. Yeah. Now, if you've ever tried crossing a river while people are firing arrows at you, you'd soon find it's quite tricky. Yeah, it's got a bit way too much blood. And <laughs> yeah. And the dead body is floating past yeah. got with a... their cold and seeing eyes. Get past the emotional impact of seeing all your friends slaughtered in front of your very eyes. Mm. It's, it's tricky. Yeah, it's tricky. Where's so, it down? So no one really <laughs> wants to cross the river first. Constantine, however, has a plan. A cunning plan. Dig a tunnel under the river. <gasps> no. no. But that is a cunning plan. Build a bridge. Yes. And no. Oh. But you're part... Building a bridge is part of it. Right. <laughs> His scouts go out and have a look and come back and realise that just up the river is actually a place you can ford the river relatively easily. Okay. But if they all just troop on over there and try and cross the river... A bit obvious. It is very obvious. There's a forest nearby, and I'll quote Zosimus here. He ordered his men to bring trees from the mountain and to tie ropes around them, as if he intended to throw a bridge over the river for the passage of his army. Hmm. So Licinius's men are watching the building of this bridge and def- prepared to defend it. Constantine's men are all standing around talking in very loud voices about the bridge they're about to build. A way to build this bridge! Oh, it's going to be a brilliant bridge! It's going to cross right here, look! Oh, I can't wait to walk over this bridge and beat that army. Go this bridge quick. right here! Put the flag up so we can all see exactly where we will be crossing the river right here. Jeff, put a big, another big white cross there! Yeah. That's why we're putting the bridge. Doing Jeff, that. Just, just saying what a bridge, what's a bridge. What bridge? I thought we were crossing further up. Shush, Jeff, Jeff, shush. Drown him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how that one went. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> However, due to Licinius's troops paying attention to the bridge, they did not notice that Constantine had hidden 5,000 archers and a unit of cavalry in the woods near to the crossing point. Nice. All of a sudden, I don't know this part, but I'm going to say it happened because it's cool. A horn rang out. It kind of defeats the object, actually. That's announcing what your secret plan is. But it's cool, so we're putting it in. Constantine rides out at the head of his cavalry to cross the river. Clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop. Splash, splash, splash. And I'll quote here. Having done this, he crossed the Hebrus at its narrowest place, and so surprised the enemy that many fled with all their speed, while others, who were amazed at his unexpected approach, were struck with wonder at his coming over so suddenly. In the meantime, the rest of his army crossed the river in secrecy, and a great slaughter commenced. Nearly 30,000 fell. Now, this is where it gets slightly interesting. Gibbon reports this slightly differently. I'll quote Gibbon here. We are assured that the valiant emperor threw himself into the river Hebrus, accompanied by only twelve horsemen, and that by the effort of terror or of his invincible arm, he broke slaughtered and put to flight a host of a hundred and fifty thousand men. Ooh. Mm. This is a bit weird. I cannot find where Gibbon found this twelve men story from. He made it up. It's not Zosimus, it's not Lactentius, it's not Eusebius, it's not Eutropius or Victor which are all the sources I'm using at the moment. Big Vic. Big Vic. So, if you're listening and you know where Gibbon got this from, let me know, because I couldn't find this when I was trying to back it up. But according it up. To, to Gibbon... Well, maybe he made it up. According so, to Gibbon, Constantine jumps into the river with only 12 other men and scares the army of 150,000 enough that the rest of his army can pa- pass the river in peace. No, no, that's rubbish. 
That is obviously rubbish. Still, the story's there. Yeah. So that's how Licinius, remember we're not doing Constantine, mm. <laughs> even though it sounded like it during that bit, <laughs> that's how Licinius lost that battle. So now let's rate him. Good. He grew up in the army and he led troops at the Danube and seemed to do a good enough job that everyone respected him. So he did, he has done well in the past. General army backgroundness. I'll probably yeah. get a point or two for that. Yeah. He defeats Dyer. Yeah, that's true. Possibly outnumbered. So he wins a civil war. That's good. Bad. He fought Constantine at least four times and only ever really managed to draw. A draw which after he had to run away. Scared. And alone. Mm. It doesn't look good, does it? <laughs> but the fact he had to do it four times is quite good. That means he had some standing to push Constantine back, at least. Well, yeah, I mean, he didn't fall in the first battle. Yeah. Constantine although, couldn't defeat him easily. And you can say, strategically, you know, you're going to retreat because you don't want to die. Although, because yeah. you get Constantine get nibbling at the edges and killing more and more of his soldiers, mm. he still put up a decent fight almost right to the end. Yeah. I, I think there's a positive in that. There is. It's not awful. No. It's, it's not great. It's not amazing. Mm. I, I, I'm going to give him... I'm going to give him four... I was thinking of five, I think four is probably more appropriate for me. He loses more battles than he wins. So I think he'd struggle to go for five. I think you're right with the four there. Mm. He's got to get something. He won a civil war and he's yeah. got some general background stuff. He does lots of battles. And he coped, he coped for quite a number of years from the look at the dates as well. He didn't. True, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm going with you. Let's go for four. That is eight for Phytius Maximus. Approvium Crazium. He was a little bit mean <laughs> to those he defeated. This is what Gibbon says on what happens after the defeat of Dyer. The vanquished emperor, i.e. Dyer, yeah. left behind him two children, a boy of about eight and a girl of about seven years old. Their inoffensive age might have excited compassion, but the compassion of Licinius was a very feeble resource, nor did it restrain him from extinguishing the name and memory of his adversary. So he killed a seven and eight-year-old? Yes. Okay. In fact, if the sources can be believed, Licinius did love to execute his rivals just a little bit. Number one and two, the aforementioned children of Dyer. Mm. Oh. Number three, those children's mother. He had her thrown into the river, tied up so she would drown. Okay. Number four, Severinus, son of Severus. Severus okay. had a son. Didn't bother mentioning him, because what's the point? This is the only time he turns up in the story. Yeah. Yes. Why was he executed, I hear you ask? Why was he executed? Well, you could probably figure it out. Is it just an enemy? <laughs> He's the son of Severus, who used to be an emperor. He might be a potential threat in the future. Yeah. So he is executed. Candidianus. <laughs> He is the son of Galerius, that's right, his good childhood friend. Oh. Now this one Gibbon really does dislikes, because he says the execution of Candidianus was an act of the blackest cruelty and ingratitude. Surprising as well. Yeah, well he was, as I said, it's the son of his friend, but a threat. He's also the son of an ex-emperor. That shows ambition though, isn't it? So he's got to go. Number six, Valeria. Oh yes, you had a look there. Yeah. Yes, this is Diocletian's daughter, Galerius's wife, the woman who spurned Dyer's advances after he put some Barry White on. <laughs> Dyer, as we said last week, 
really treated her horribly and exiled her. And the last we saw Valeria, she was being exiled yeah. into the Syrian desert. Yeah. Well, Licinius then takes over, and Valeria comes back out of exile. It's fine, I'm saved. Yeah, thank goodness. Ooh. But not for long. She soon realised the danger she was in. As Gibbon puts it, the bloody executions which stained the palace of Nicomedia sufficiently convinced her that the throne of Dyer was filled with a tyrant more inhuman than himself. Mm. So she soon realised that Licinius was just as bad as Dyer, if not more so. Licinius starts to show signs that he wanted to get rid of her because she was the daughter of an emperor and the wife of an emperor. Yeah. Therefore could produce sons who were related. She's a threat. She's got to go. So, grabs her mum and they do a runner together. <laughs> they manage to hide for just over a year before being caught and executed. Which leads us to number seven, Prisca. Yay. Her mother of the wife of Diocletian, who was caught and killed alongside her daughter. So let's see how that happened. Another quote from Gibbon here. They were at length discovered at Thessalonica, and as the sentence of their death was already pronounced, they were immediately beheaded and their bodies thrown in the sea. The people gazed on the melancholy spectacle, but their grief and indignation was suppressed by the terrors of the military guard. Such was the unworthy fate of the wife and daughter of Diocletian. We lament their misfortunes, we cannot discover their crimes, and whatever idea we may justly entertain of the cruelty of Licinius, it remains a matter of surprise that he was not contented with some more secret and decent method of revenge. I do love Gibbon in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if, he's, if you're going to kill them, at least, at least do it quietly. <laughs> yeah, you can make a song and dance out of it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's a little bit hmm, relentless yeah. at, at killing any potential threat. Good saying. Not all sources are opposed to Licinius. So we do actually see a little bit of the flip side of the coin here. That's Zosimus is no fan of Constantine. <laughs> no. Which is refreshing when you're reading the sources, because mostly we've got Christian sources who love him to bits. Of course. Yes, yeah, so we've got a little bit balancing the scales. Yeah, yeah. So he also has a very different picture to paint of Licinius. This is just one thing he mentions about conversations between Licinius and Constantine. They soon quarrelled, not because Licinius gave any cause for it, but that Constantine, in his usual manner, was unfaithful to his agreement by endeavouring to alienate from Licinius some nations that belonged to his dominions. So there is some idea that actually Constantine was just being a bit of a... A meanie. A meanie, that's a good word, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Licinius was just, um, just biting back. Oh, yeah. So maybe it's all Constantine's fault. Uh, the only other thing I've got, he was right in the inner circle of those that pushed the persecutions. He's yeah, in there with was. Galerius and Dyer and Severus, who potentially would have turned out the same way. Um, however, he doesn't seem to have joined in. He was seemed more than happy to support Constantine's support for Christianity. And even when he turned against Christianity near the end... That's true. He didn't go full-on purge. Yeah, it, it wasn't all killy. It was more just taking yeah. away a few rights. I mean, not great, and it must no. have been very unpleasant to be there, yeah, but yeah. I'd prefer to be out of a job than being slowly burnt alive with candles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Hmm. I th I, yeah, because I think the, the source is so biased against them, I'm, I'm struggling to believe a lot of what they're saying about all the killing, perhaps, or how it was done, necessarily. Um... I don't know. I, the killing, I can believe. 
Hey. I can believe that he was very paranoid. Oh, yeah. And he just wanted to get rid of any potential threat. Yeah, I guess everyone was at this time, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't spend a massive high level. Five, I think it's probably fair. Maybe five. Yeah, because there's a few people, unfairly, but it's not like, you know, Caracalla where he killed entire villages. No, no. So. I'm with so, you. Going I five. Around half marks. Ten. It's ten. Okay. Success Ultimus. Right. As you've already just touched upon, he's a hard one to judge. Mm. He's sandwiched between Diocletian and Constantine, two people recognised for achieving great things. Yes. And also Galerius and Dyer, who were seen as two of the cruelest emperors we've ever seen. He's kind of a mid-carder, isn't he? Yeah, he was successful enough to be promoted as emperor without having to be Caesar due to his merit rather than convenience. Yeah. Dyer was obviously a convenience thing. Mm. Licinius, someone wanted him to be emperor. Yeah. Once Emperor, we should not downplay the fact that he reached the final. That's true. In the whole Tetrarchic War period, it's him and Constantine at the end. Now, he does have the advantage that he steps in late in the day. <laughs> yeah. But... This, this is the, the twilight, isn't it, of the yeah. Tetrarchy? It's almost... He was a substitute when he came in at the end there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did he score a goal? Whereas Constantine's been there since the start. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but he, he managed to get to the final. It's just down to him and Constantine at the end. Mm. So that's quite impressive. Um, he didn't seem unduly cruel to his subjects. He ruled his land in peace for several years. Yeah. He managed to pass laws and keep the place ticking over. Yes. Um, yeah, so it didn't seem to have been an awful ruler. But what did he knew? How did he make the empire better? He didn't really have much of a chance. You're right, there's not much. And there's also, some of his laws were quite harsh. Yeah. One of his laws that does survive is that he said that any woman who knowingly marries a slave would instantly become a slave herself. Ooh. Yeah. This is part of a larger push on keeping slaves down at the time. So indicating... keeping that uh, social structure separate. Yeah, it's something we've not seen for a while, this uh, suppression of slaves. Mm. Indicating there were some troubles at the time that maybe the slaves were starting to come uneasy. All those freedmen coming out. It's probably all these people walking around saying things like all men are equal and everyone should... Oh, oh, you don't want that, do no, you? Oh, gosh. No. Yeah. Um, uh, and like you say, what did he achieve? He's not the worst of the Tetrarchic Empires, but he's hardly set the world alight, has he? No, like three, if that. Yeah, yeah, I think. I don't think it's been out down far enough as two. No, he hasn't re- re- reversed. Other than a few social reverses, you could argue. But again, that's one thing down to like three. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. That is six. Image of Okay, any ideas on his looks? I think a long beard for some reason. Oh yeah. I'm probably completely wrong, but I imagine imagining a beard, um, pointy beard as well. I don't know. I've always imagined with a beard, and they like that. He's trying to bring it back. Short hair though. You're right with the short hair. This is what he looked like. Oh wow. Ooh, looks a bit like. Ga- oh, look at that coin. Yeah, the coin maybe was later, and he oh, filled out a little bit. <laughs> filled out. Bloody hell. Um. Yeah. So he he looks. Quite old, actually. I guess he would be wrinkly face, got a bit of stubble, very short hair, very prominent nose. Just like a young Galba. Yeah, he does actually. Yeah, very defined features. I'm mm. going to say. Please describe the coin. The coin. Well, coins are round, <laughs> and I'm going to say his face 
is perfectly suited to a coin. <laughs> yeah. It, it fills the round shape of a it coin does. very well. It's got kind of the Nero beard as well, the way it sort of goes underneath. Yeah, chin strap kind of beard. Henry VIII style. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, not great. But there's a little bonus one this week. Oh, yeah. Now, I didn't put it here straight away. I actually have another bust of him, Ooh. but I can't guarantee it's him. But I had, <laughs> I had to include it because it was literally the best bust I've ever seen. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Like I said, I don't know it's him. It might be him. Okay. Go and check on Facebook. We'll put it up on Facebook. Are yeah, you ready? Okay. Ah! <laughs> oh my, he looks so good. Ah! <laughs> um, <he>, oh, <laughs> he... He looks really happy, yes. but in a gormless, smashed-up kind of way. Oh wow! It looks like someone's attached attacked a statue, and the statue's yeah. received concussion. Yes. <laughs> and is now really dazed. He's got a weird half smile, and his eyes are really unfocused, and it's, his nose yeah. is gone. Yes. It looks like the magic roundabout's going through his head. <laughs> yes. da, 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 it's such da, da, a ridiculous bust. That's mental. Um, so I don't know if we can use that to judge him, but I mean, you, you can fantastic. see similarities to his other one. Yeah. So it might be him. <laughs> that little cheeky smile he's got. And he's got a little cheeky <laughs> smile. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's not a bad face, actually. I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fairly... The original bust, very strong features. I think he gets points for that. The coin, he's got a big, round, comical face. I think yeah. he gets points for that. And the possibly him bust is just hilarious. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Um, so, overall... Seven? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, certainly seven. not, like, the highest. But I think he deserves some points for his, his busts and his coins. Yeah. He entertained us for a while, at least. That is a 3.5 for Imidrofacious. Temple Completo. Okay. So you know he lasted quite a while, mm. but how long is that? Did you just see it? No. no. I'll guess. I'll guess. <laughs> you, yeah, I don't. If you get this right, I don't believe you that you didn't get it. So you're going to go okay. one year off now, aren't you? No. Two years. No. Fifteen years, eleven months. <laughs> <laughs> he ruled, as you rightly saw clearly when you were looking at the other bust. No, I'm guessing. From 308 to 324. Yeah. Oh, how long is that? That's about 16 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's really that's close. That's good, yeah. Yeah, not bad. 16 years through our spreadsheet gives him a lovely round score. Two. Of two. Which gives him a total. A relatively respectable, but not brilliant. Best score since the original Tetrarchy. Oh, yeah. 29.5. Wow, he's almost in the 30s. Almost in the 30s. He has beaten Dyer. He's beaten Maxentius. He's beaten, obviously, Severus. He didn't quite beat Constantius or Galerius. No. Well, that's not bad. Not bad. But does he have it? Yeah. Does he have a certain Caesar? Okay, reasons. He's the last one to stand up against Constantine. Yeah. And he did it quite well for quite a while, you could argue. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously no. No, that's all I've got. Yeah, um, so no. no. Yeah, sorry, Licinius, you, you're just not interesting enough to, to warrant it. No. Which is a shame. Yeah. He wasn't awful. He wasn't great. He hasn't got Genesis R. Sorry. That is four in a row. That is the original Tetrarchy, or got it, or very nearly got yeah, it. Yeah. The, the next four, no. But next week, I guess we'll see if we can break this curse. Next week we have the last of the big names. Really? Yes. Yeah. If 
you think about it, you, average Joe on the street, name an emperor, I'm thinking they'd say... They'll say Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Nero. Nero. Augustus. Augustus, maybe. Hadrian. Hadrian. Constantine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Quintilus. Obviously Quintilus, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we've got one of the biggies, the last of the mm. biggies. And I'm proud to say I've, I've got delivered yesterday a coin, a Constantine yes, the first show coin. Yes, earlier. Yeah, yeah. quite cool. Genuinely made by Constantine himself, yes. I believe. That's what he did in the evening. <laughs> Chiseled it out of a massive block of bronze. Yes. It's really well detailed, actually. I'll put a photograph up of it if people want to see that. Yeah. You want to see my coin? I'm sure they do. Yeah. Oh, we've got a new £1 coin today as well. Oh, yeah, they're really cool, aren't they? Yeah, they're right. Yeah. I like the little thing at the bottom where you, it goes for a pound to a one. Yeah. That's fun. And the micro lettering that you can't see. I don't, I don't know, I can't, can't see it. No, <laughs> I only know about it because I saw. This has nothing to do with Roman history. No. But <laughs> if you're interested, and why would you be, type in New Pan Coin into the internet and you will be taken to the official government website that just announces on its front page it's here. Very excited. And then there's a video that I can only assume... Oh, I can see it now. Yeah. I can only assume it's a parody of Apple products. <laughs> I really hope someone was making fun of Apple when they did it, and it's not serious. <laughs> because it's a CG version of the coin, and a really serious voiceover that Apple use all the time, and a white background, and lots of things flashing up saying the thinnest pound coin ever and stuff. It really looks like an iPhone advert for yeah. a coin. brilliant. <laughs> additional Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, yeah, at one point it says added security and just yeah. ripples go across the coin. Also, no yeah. input input for headphones. No, there is no input <laughs> for headphones. It's just like an iPhone. Yeah, I can actually, actually see the writing. It's very. I can't read it, but it's sort of round the big lettering. Yeah, very, it's very tiny, thin. tiny, tiny writing that you can't read. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So if you're listening, thank you for listening to us talk about a pound coin for five minutes. Yeah. Right, a couple of thank yous before we go. Thank you to Sarah Samalatin. I think. I apologise for butchering your name there. And Greg Griffins, 55, for joining our Senate. We hugely yeah, well, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. You're helping us yes. to buy new equipment so we sound a little bit better. Yes, and while we're on the subject of our Senate... Next week we will release Constantine, but the week after will be our second Roman Republic episode. Uh, but because there's no order to them, um, I don't know who we're going to do. No. So if you are a member of our Senate, or even if you're not, but you like the idea of just telling me what to research... Uh, <laughs> Star Trek. <laughs> get, get, into, get in contact with us through Facebook or Twitter, and let me know which Roman Republican you want me to research for yeah. the second episode of Roman Republic Totalus Rankium. Yeah, that sounds very yes. really good. And finally, thank you very much to those people who are leaving reviews still. We hugely appreciate it. It helps our rankings in the iTunes store. Mm. And we've got three to share this week. Yeah. This one says, it's wonderfully informative and entertaining from JMS565. One of the best podcasts I've listened to. Very interesting history on the Roman emperors and yet so entertaining. So glad there are so many episodes, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Three exclamation marks. It's a sign of madness. It's very, very important. It does. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, hilarious five stars. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. By PRPL Piggy. Pur -pur Purple Piggy? Maybe Purple Piggy. 
I love how not stuffy this podcast is. I'm a classics major, which means I studied ancient Greece and Rome in depth, depth during college, and I know stuffy. Sad face. Aww. Thank you for the entertainment. I really like the last five minutes because of those little skits. They're the best. What's he on about? I don't know what he's on about there. Mm. No. Thank you. And um, it is called Pop in parts of the US. Five stars. Five stars from Abe in San Francisco. Oh, Abe's a great name. Abe is a good name. That's a very American name. Came across his podcast a couple of weeks ago. I've been devouring two or three episodes a day. Simply brilliant. I love history and I especially love the way those two dudes deliver it. This podcast is so good. It's the first time I've compelled to actually write a review, which is probably why it's liking some detail. <laughs> Also, I think it was the communist episode where there was some debate if Americans say pop instead of soda. Parts of the Midwest, like Chicago, West Pennsylvania, and Western New York say pop. <laughs> I loved his migrating accent. <laughs> well, he's talking about the different areas of the US, so I went from a, an American accent to a <laughs> kind of a southern accent to probably Canadian at some point. <laughs> I'm sorry if I offended anyone. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I really hope Abe sounds like that, but I doubt he will. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, sorry, uh, Abe, by the way. Yeah. Sorry. I, I also have to admit, I have no idea what he said because I was too busy laughing at your accent. <laughs> but I'm sure it was a nice review. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, did we say it was pop? I love the fact we've done enough episodes now. I have no idea what we're saying. In yeah. them. Apparently, we questioned pop before. I remember, I do vaguely remember doing that. Oh, right, in the episode, yeah. Yeah. I do wonder if they called okay. it. Because I know they called it soda in the US. Yes, yes, I do. But apparently not in Chicago, western Pennsylvania, western New York. Is that state or city? Can't, cause I can't imagine just the western New York city say pop. And you mm. cross the line and yeah. it's soda. <laughs> soda. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. Right, choose a review. Who's going to win? Um, I kind of I like the purple piggy one because I, li- I like the way they're you know, a real historian yeah. unlike us. And so yeah. they appreciate what we're doing. So thank you. Yeah. Let's send us your details and we'll send you a coin. Yes. Finally, one very last thing to announce. Oh, We're yes. not going to announce it just yet. No. Nope. Stay tuned, because we've been having a think, a chin wag. Nibble. Yeah. Well, for several months now, actually. We've mm. had this in the pipeline since pretty much the start of this season. Yeah. But we definitely know what we're doing for season two of Totalis Rankium, because the emperors are running out, and we need to start thinking mm. about season two. So, if you want to know what we're doing, stay tuned. Finally... All that leaves us to say is our sign-off, which this week is... Run away! Goodbye. Goodbye. Soon, American President's Totalis Rankium. So Adam and Thomas Jefferson were actually close friends and correspondents. Good God! He paid a visit to William Shakespeare's home in Stratford-upon-Avon in 1786. Holy cow! He actually went to university at Princeton. Gotta have me a soda to calm down. And Quincy Adams actually enjoyed skinny dipping in the river in the early mornings. I'm just gonna grab me another Bud Light. He's involved in as many as 100 duels, most of which were fought to defend the honour of his wife, Rachel. With his aluminum gun? His nickname was Old Kinderhook, because he was raised in Kinderhook, New York. Popular theory states that the term OK is actually derived from this. OK! Okay.
two of his grandsons were actually still alive today. USA! USA! And in fact, the S in his name doesn't stand for anything. His parents couldn't decide on a middle name for over a month, so they just settled on the letter S. What? Man, I'm popping the 7-Eleven to get some soda. JFK was actually a huge James Bond fan. And he met the author of Sarah's Ian Fleming at a dinner party in the 1960s. What the hell? That's crazy talk! Dubia garnered the media attention with his frat boy pest. Go Dubia! Yeehaw, man! Becoming the first black president of the United States. He was black? And that is how we ended up with Trump. Since we've covered all the others and we've only got Constantine well, yeah, left, yeah. <laughs> yes. But no, I know what you mean. You don't. You haven't heard much from him. He entered late, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Where did he come from, sort of thing? Yeah. Well, we'll find out. He swerved in from the side. He did. He did. Or was he there all along? <gasps> in the shadows. In the shadows. What's that? It was a really bad song in like the early thousands. Uh, what were they called that? Band? Just rang a bell. I've been watching. I've been. I can't sing too much because they'll sue us. <laughs> Not for copyright, just because they want it to stop. Yes! <laughs> they keep singing our song and we hate it so much. Okay, well, if you know when you're listening, tell me via postcard. Oh, no, it's going to bother me. I've got to work it out. I'll cut you the keep huge talking. <laughs> you keep talking, I'll, I'll think about this. <laughs> I won't listen, as per usual. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, into Licinius. Here we go. He was born. Sorry. <laughs> was he? I'm sure he wasn't born then. <laughs> 1953. It doesn't bode well that my first thing in my notes I'm already questioning. <laughs> I think I've written the wrong date down there. The Rasmus. That was it. The Rasmus. Right, okay. Why? What? What? What's, what's the song? In, I think it's in the shadows. I've been watching, I've been waiting in the shadows. He wears a little feather in his hair and stuff. Oh, oh, no, yeah. yes, maybe. Yeah, I think it's, I'm really, already... it's basically him stalking a woman, and it's really creepy and a bit uncomfortable to watch. <laughs> I'm, yeah, no, I was way off. <laughs> 13 years off. That's yeah, quite... not way off. Not way off. He could have still been alive if he was born in 250, but it would have made him very old by the end. <clears throat> right, let's try that again. Okay. okay. So, he was born in approximately... 263. 263? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, around then.